Welcome to the Sports Leadership Podcast, where leaders in sport get practical, relevant insight to help them take their leadership to the next level and become leaders worth following. Now for your hosts, Kevin DeShazo and Mark Hodgkin. All right. Hello and welcome. Episode 36 of the Sports Leadership Podcast. I'm Mark Hodgkin, co-host, uh, along with Kevin DeShazo from Culture Wins and Field House Media. Today we're going to have a conversation with uh, an old friend of ours, Brian Bedford. He works in BizDev at Cisco. It's a really interesting conversation because I met Brian a few years ago um, when he was working at Exos Digital, and um, I've respected him and, and followed along with his career journey for a while. I think it's a good it's a good conversation. We have a lot of timely things to talk about as well. What Cisco's doing uh, with the whole uh, pandemic. Um, so we'll jump into that in just a few minutes. But first off, uh, Kevin, how are we doing out in Oklahoma? You can't complain. You know, trying to like everyone else, trying to figure out uh, what this season is how do we bring our best uh, to the season and not just kind of shrink back and, and live in fear but try to try to be be purposeful so it's been a, a season of a lot of zoom calls uh, a lot of a lot of virtual speaking virtual connecting uh, but I've, I've actually been really encouraged uh, by people who are just looking for um, not just ways to like survive what's happening like how do we get better how do we how do we keep showing up and so it's it's been a really interesting season um, interesting few weeks, but it's also been really, really encouraging at the same time. How are, how are things out in Florida? Yeah, you know, I think we, we text about it a lot, but it's an interesting, I feel like something is, I don't want to say changing or we're, we're crossing some kind of level, but I feel like some of the mindset of the people I'm talking to is, is, is moving on from the initial kind of shell shock of being in the house. And now we've, you know, a lot of us have been kind of quarantined for a month and a half and, you know, we're talking about what's next. We're starting to get a little bit more clarity into into things. Obviously, there's still way more unknowns than the not unknowns. But I agree with you. I think it's interesting to hear people kind of talking about how do we get better. You know, I think uh, that's that's what this is all about. This is the opportunity that we have. Uh, we talked about it the last two episodes, so we won't go into it too much. But um, you know, I think uh, I think it's an interesting time. Obviously, summer's here, and uh, it'll be an eventful next couple couple of months. Absolutely. And, and with that, you know, in, into our conversation with, with Brian Bedford on, on this episode, he has some really unique insights that I think you guys will enjoy, um, especially around leading from a distance, leading remotely, right? It's something he's been doing for a long time, um, which has been his, his way of life. And, and so for a lot of people that's new, he's going to have some really great insight on that. Uh, but just overall, right, his, his perspective on the sports industry, on tech in the sports world, he's been working uh, is not just U.S. sports. He works at this on, on a global level. So it has a really unique perspective and a lot of um, really valuable experience that I think people will benefit from, from listening. He's a great, great storyteller, um, great perspective on, on the world at large and, and the sports world and kind of where, where, where things are at, how far we've come, um, and also where we're going. So dig into this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll see you on the other side. All right, we're here with Brian Bedford, uh, global lead of BizDev at Cisco. I'm really excited about this conversation. I think there's some uh, neat things we're going to talk about today about Brian's journey uh, professionally and also the stuff that uh, that he's doing at Cisco. Uh, very interesting for the times we live in. But uh, first off, Brian, uh, welcome to the show. I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here with uh, two guys I have a lot of admiration for, and I've already got FOMO of the plants behind you. So um, uh, <laughs> I'm really jealous, but inspired by your plants. Yeah, I have the, one of the more scenic, real Zoom backdrops here. My wife uh, keeps the house pretty cool looking, and uh, 
it's uh, it gets a lot of, a lot of comments on my uh, calls, but uh, appreciate that. <laughs> Great. So what, a little bit, Brian, about uh, kind of what you do at, at, uh, at Cisco. Uh, give us an overview of kind of your day-to-day, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, journey and how you got here. Yeah, sure. Um, so my days are, uh, for, for, for a long time, have been work from home. Uh, so none of this has really been new for me. But uh, so we're uh, I'm part of a, a Cisco big uh, Fortune 50 tech company, uh, kind of specializes in IT and communications and um, really the kind of the, the Internet that we um, all use today. It's, it's become for many of us, especially now, really another utility in a lot of ways, like uh, water and gas and, and heat and air and food and so forth. I mean, uh, who doesn't who doesn't need the Internet uh, these days, right? So, you know, the, the vast majority of Internet traffic around the world touches a Cisco product. I think it's north of about 80% of the world's kind of Internet traffic touches a Cisco product. So that's been fun to, to be part of that family and kind of just see how technology is really transforming the way we work, live, and play. Uh, and I specifically lead a team here at Cisco that is uh, currently uh, working on how on customer experience, so how we take products and services to market through our channel, through our partners, and, uh, and specifically focused on uh, kind of our services portfolio, especially kind of just thinking through the whole life cycle of how people communicate and consume technology. There are things our partners can do, and we have a bunch of them, uh, thousands and thousands of partners that, that help us. There are also things that we have an expertise in, right, at Cisco that we need to augment or or provide some of those services to help uh, round out that portfolio. And then in addition to that, um, I lead um, our sports and entertainment uh, go-to-market So uh, for, for partners. So all of our alliances and partnerships that we sell our products in kind of the connected venue space um, has been part of my remit at Cisco for about eight years now. That's why I came to Cisco actually and, and just have done a couple different things while I've been here. Um, including this latest uh, endeavor. So uh, still, Mark, I'm able to kind of keep into the sports space uh, all, you know, quite a bit. And then, uh, and then certainly have taken on a little different role here uh, where I'm able to kind of bleed some of these uh, services and how we kind of blend those two worlds together. So a little bit of two hats today at Cisco, but it's been fun and uh, allows me to stay fresh and engaged with a, a lot of cool projects that are out there. I love it. That's fun. And, it, it, you know, like I said, you've been working on, variety of different projects across a variety of different sectors you've been sports you've been in retail you've been kind of kind of all across yep. the board in in the sports world like that connected venue space right, has obviously become a a priority i mean a lot, i can't imagine how much that's changed since you started working on that eight years ago to yep. to today yep. what how has that conversation changed and, and whereas i'm before it was maybe it's too expensive or is it really worth it to now it's it's not about is it worth it it's it, we, it's, it's not it's not optional, right? Like it's we, we have to do it, and now how we make it actually a competitive advantage in terms of, of a user experience. So what is how has that conversation changed, and and, and what does that industry yeah. look like over the last decade? Yeah, let, let me give you kind of a couple of funny stories I think that are interesting. So like, I remember when I came to Cisco, the conversations were uh, a couple of different things, uh, kind of centered around a couple of things. One was the the iPhone was really kind of just taken off, right? It had been a couple of years into the mix, so you know, about three years into the mix. So people were thinking when when it came to like venue Wi-Fi, people were thinking, oh, okay, well, like 
I remember the San Francisco Giants were thinking, we're going to bring, like, people are going to bring laptops to baseball games on, like, a Friday afternoon. I mean, just just think about that, you know. I mean, it's just so funny to think that people are actually going to, like, bring their laptop to anything because now this, you know, your iPhone 50 or whatever you got in your pocket now, I can't even keep up with it, right? Um, it, it, you know, it's got all the horsepower you could ever need and want and desire and 5G and all the different things, right? So it's a totally different conversation there. And then, And then I remember, you know, when we first started putting in, like, digital signage and things like that, like, it was literally rocket science. Like it was actual rocket science trying to move around high definition video in a, you know, 60,000 seat venue, you know, with low latency. I mean, it, it was literally like mad scientists on the floor of a stadium trying to figure out how we could do this without making packets drop just the whole bit. Right. The whole thing has just dramatically changed. So, yeah, it's it it is funny. Uh I think, you know, the you're right, Kevin, in that the beginning of this when people were thinking about kind of venue transformation, I think it had to be a mindset change, which, you know, you guys have both seen this in just lots of different industries, but sports had to kind of think that way, which was their view of technology was kind of a oh I mean, except for a few things the 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 view of technology was pretty limited. So, you know, I've I've used this analogy a bunch. Like the biggest technology purchase for most teams was like their video board. Like that was their technology spend. And they did it because it was kind of an advertising play. They could monetize the video board, right? So it was a, we're going to spend X and we're going to make Y, right? That's a pretty simple business model. And so we had to figure out, could we, you know, could we position technology in a way that kind of met that model for the sports and entertainment market? So, uh, because originally, like, people looked at, like, well, why do I need Wi-Fi? I want fans to watch the games. Well, yeah, but society's changed, right? Betting is taking off and fantasy and, uh, and, uh, and the way that micro applications work now are very different. You know, the way that people consume and do mobile activations and people, the way they do mobile transactions, all of that mobile banking. I mean, the, still the number one thing that people do on their phones is send a text message. I mean, at the end of the day, still the number one thing that people do right now, right? So, you know, we had to figure out how do we change that conversation and how do we make that part of what we do because the the kind of the hay was, uh, you know, the what's the what's the analogy like the the, the card had left the building or whatever the whatever your analogy is right like behaviors were changing right and so there was an expectation that was really changing if if you could do it at starbucks then you need to be able to do it at the arena that's kind of the mentality if you couldn't do it then we got a big problem we have a business problem we have a we have a just a market maturity problem and and uh, and and we have just a customer relation customer sentiment problem as well so yeah absolutely the conversations are fundamentally different doesn't mean that people don't have their issues trying to raise money for capital projects and things like that that always happens but the the mindset's very different now kevin do you think there was like a tipping point to that i mean is there was there a product or uh, even a, a group or team or event that kind of got that over the hump because it feels like you probably have a few people who would disagree with that now but you're right even five years ago i can think of those conversations of well why would we invest in this, we want them to be paying attention to the game. We don't want them distracted by their phone, whatever. But do you think it was just a natural thing or do you think there was a, a, a moment or a person that really put it over the edge? Yeah, 
I just think it was a big snowball, guys. I mean, I don't think there's any, like, one big aha moment. There was no big bang here. But it was like, you know, and that snowball got going and inertia took over and there was no stopping it. So it's been interesting um, to look at, and and this has kind of been, I've been blessed to kind of see this happen a couple of times in the tech space. You know, I, I remember early in my career when, you know, you'll appreciate this, Mark, like people were starting to really build out like robust uh, school websites. And they were starting, then it was like, we're going to roll out a mobile app and then we're going to roll out a OTT product. And then we're going to, and then all that stuff kind of created its own momentum. And then, you know, you come to Cisco and it's like, well, we're going to do this venue transformation. Now we've got, you know, thousands of, you know, custom sites, all this different stuff. And then I've seen it in the media broadcast world where it's like now, and especially now with all the COVID stuff, we need to do remote production. We need to leverage the cloud. We need to use IP. So, it's been interesting. I mean, I'm not a old guy, but done this for 22 years in sports, and it just follows that. Once you find like a, a path, and uh, it's been interesting for me to kind of be on the bleeding edge of, of three or four of these things because you just get the if you can get the snowball rolling. I mean, it's hard to stop it. It'll just roll and it just picks up snow along the way, and it just becomes pretty powerful. And then what happens is what's cool is that then there are the micro industries that fall off of it, right? So, you know, like we've seen just this mobile explosion of all these micro micro sites or micro apps or whatever that got created in sports. And there's there's one that comes up every week. Well, all that got kind of created because people were like, well, fans' behaviors are changing. So, I mean, it's become the wild, wild west of different ways that people want to engage mobile. Um, but it all comes back to the core, you know, value of people want to be connected and, and then what you do with it from there is, you know, takes off. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know if there's one big aha, but it's been, I've seen it happen a couple of times and it's, they're fun when you can, when you can ride those waves. They're pretty fun to be part of. You get, you have the unique perspective because you work globally, right? Like I, I know you yep. travel and speak, mm-hmm. speak across the world. Yep. What's the adoption been like? Globally versus the U.S., like is the U.S. usually ahead of the trends? Are they behind the trends? How how is that experience different? Yeah, just it, it probably depends on which piece of tech. Um, in the venue space, um, I think it has to do with uh, so the, the the trends are typically actually sport related. Kevin, it's interesting. You know the fan behaviors in European soccer or you know football. It's very different, you know. You're taking a train, you know. Your 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 arrival to the venue is different. Um, you're you're sitting in your seat watching a the you know 90 90 minutes of football, and then you got a break, and there's a mass exodus to you know go to the restroom, and then you come back and you watch it, and you don't get up. And I mean, you know, because if you get up, you might miss the one goal. So like, you're really careful. So those are different, right? Whereas you know, if I take you to TD Garden and we're going to go see a Bruins game, you got two, you got two intermissions, you got a lot of different action. You're probably going to get up if it's a baseball game. Dear Lord, nine innings. Oh my gosh! Like, so the sports really dictate some of the engagement and the behaviors, right? And, and I think then you also have some 
differences in certain regions of the world, depending on how they uh, how they have the financial construct of the venues. You know, we're used to where, you know, at least in the North American market, where you've got either the team owns the venue or the city owns the venue, and there's some sort of public-private partnership. You got a lot of that. That's kind of the two models that are the in the in the North American market. In other markets, you know, you may have two or three, four teams that that are in these buildings, right? And so it's a whole different model, and they may play two or three different sports. I mean, you you go down to I don't know if either one of you guys have been to Australia, but I mean, you go to Melbourne. You go to the Melbourne Cricket Ground. It's 110,000 seat cricket venue. They play. They've had baseball there. They play rugby. They play cricket. They get. I mean, it's all sorts of stuff, right? And uh, you know, so I think some of that depends. But yeah, mobile is uh, mobile is ubiquitous around the world. I think that's uh, no brainer. But things like signage and video and things of that nature, those, those are a little more, they're a little different. They also don't do as much production like you. I mean, we're pretty flamboyant when it comes to in-venue production. I mean, if you go to, you know, I, I remember going a couple of years ago to see uh, a uh, Champions League semifinal at the uh, Bernabeu in um, Madrid, saw Real Madrid play PSG or somebody. And I mean, the video board, Looked like it could fit in my house. I mean, it was, t- it was like teeny. Like it, I was like, "What? What is this?" Like, was, and no offense. I mean, they had ninety thousand people. It was rocking. It was one of the best venues I've ever been in. Like, it was unbelievable. They're chanting and waving and all sorts of stuff. It was totally cool, and I could I couldn't understand any of it. It was still completely awesome. But you know, the the point of it was like they don't they just there's no the value of how they consume it's just different so we have a very biased view we're used to like all this pomp and sizzle and lights and it's just like they just want to see the game which there's a little bit of purity to that now the other piece of that is you've seen some other technology like you know if you think about how content's produced and video and all that stuff and you think about technology there yeah, actually, Europe and Asia is actually much farther ahead of where the U.S. is from from a market maturity perspective is. So, because they have to be flexible, they have to be thinking about uh, how are they going to get m- uh, more with less people. They've got to be thinking about how do they, you know, spread their talent out and have maybe talent in a remote studio and then a little bit of equipment talent at the venue or in the broadcast studio or whatnot. So. They're actually much more progressive, I would say, outside of the U.S. Um, when it when you think about that piece of it, and uh, so yeah, some interesting trends. It probably depends, but uh, a lot of people have the, a lot of people that are based in the U.S. probably have a bias that they think it, it's always more progressive. And but I, I think it just depends. There's some things that make some other markets, you know, really really progressive. I tell you, the, my favorite city for sports is probably Melbourne, Australia. I mean, you have. Rod Laver Stadium, where the Australian Open is located. You have the MCG. You have uh, you have two or three other venues. You have an Olympic rowing facility. All that stuff from the Olympics is all there in Melbourne, guys. It's like walking around the park. It's all there. There's like four venues. I mean, there's not very many places like that in the world. And so everybody's like, oh well, the U.S. has all these great venues. Well, yeah, we get some really cool ones. But I'll tell you, there's some really cool ones other places around the world, too. And the leadership angle of, of technology, you know, one of the things I think about sometimes is is there's we're probably at a point now where there's more people in senior and decision-making, highest-level CEOs and presidents and stuff who, who understand technology. But what do you tell people who have to, to focus on everything? It's like a leader of an organization. How do, you, how do you do digital well? How do you let it 
you know, incorporate throughout your organization? How do you drive the changes, understanding you know, the bigger picture? But, you know, what do you think the, the best leaders in the space do with technology? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you just you at least have to have a vision for you know the key areas of your of your business, right? Whether it's services or whether that's um, you know fan engagement or tech. I mean, you just have to have a vision for it, and then you got to hire really talented people. I think you know we've seen a maturity of technologists come into sports really during my career. It's been interesting. Um, and Mark, I know we've known each other quite a while. I mean, I just remember going to some of these early events out there. And, you know, the notion of having a team CIO was like, what? Like, why, why do we need that? Like, we need a team doctor and we need a coach and we need a GM, but like a CIO, like someone to set vision and strategy. And now that, that you know, most every team has got that. But, but the mindset's really changed, right? Because, again, you go back to the last 30 to 50 years, the biggest technology purchase was the video board. And most of the IT was just how do we do payroll and email and ticketing. And so that's really changed, right? Because the expectation of fan engagement and digital and mobile and, and so forth has really changed. So I think there's a sophistication that's come. Certainly at the ownership level, not everybody's got like the most savvy owner. That's totally fine. But I think just being able to set like the high level vision and then go and hire a really talented person to help you uh, execute that vision is really what's needed. And we've seen that. I mean, that's been cool to kind of see that uh, mature. So the new new reality, right, is is everyone is working from home or they're at home and trying to figure out how to work. That's been your normal, yep. right, for, for a number yep. of years. Um, that's, like I said, not normal for most people. But they're struggling, they're stressed, they're trying to figure it out. And, and for me, I think it's not necessarily just working from home. It's a lot of it's leading from home, right? So you've you've yeah. been leading remotely for a, for a number of years. So for people yeah. who are now having to figure that out, what has worked well for you leading a dispersed team, leading a disconnected team, maintaining communication, maintaining relationships um, while still executing? Yeah, no, great. We talk a lot about this. So one, so a um, couple things. So I serve as one of about 200 cultural ambassadors at Cisco, and that gives you some insight on best practices, you know, and how to lead teams and, and what to do. And so that, that notion of leadership certainly kind of near and dear to, to my heart. Here, here's what I say. Um, have some person in your personality needs to be invoked in your leadership, right? And so have some fun with it. Um, you know, for me, I try to Try to have some personality. This week, my staff call, uh, we did a scavenger hunt. It was awesome. It was absolutely epic. It was, it was, we did a scavenger hunt. And so uh, we talked to business. We got after it. We went around. We did our deal. We gave updates. We did all that. And then at the end, our scavenger hunt included, and I will read them off because I think this is like the level of, you know, detail that you guys aspire on your podcast, right? <laughs> Which is we, we, we tried to select five things. And of course, we had men and women on the call. So just think how you two would have done on this. One, red lipstick. Two, a plant. Three, a light bulb. Four, some level of sports memorabilia or gear. And five, a stuffed animal. It took, we had a guy win, and he got it in 90 seconds. Okay. So everybody smiled, Kevin, right? Everybody smiled. Everybody laughed at each other. Everybody had fun. Two weeks ago, we did sports day. Three weeks, you know, three or four weeks ago, we had St. Patty's Day. I mean, you've got to make it fun. You've got to bring some personality in it. Um, I think the, the, the other piece, so, so number one is that. Number two is um, 
communicate often by talking to your teams, okay? When it's tough, you need to be leading. One thing I appreciate about Cisco right now is our executive leadership team is doing a company-wide meeting every week right now, every week. Guys, that's one thing when it's 50, 50 people. We have 70,000 employees, okay? And we are all around the world, right? So, and we're fully work, work from home around the world. And some of our employees in China and in Asia have been work from home for two or three months, right? So lead and communicate more often than possible, especially during this time, okay? And then the last piece would be, um, you know, leverage, leverage collaboration tools. Like you've got to think about, you know, whether it's, you know, some sort of instant messaging. I mean, we have tons of products. I don't want to make this commercial about Cisco, but think about how you can collaborate with people. Even if even if it's just old school, you're sending them a text saying, hey, how are you doing? And when you do meet with them, ask them about them. Ask them about their lives. I have, a, I have an employee who's based in Barcelona. He's in an 800-square-foot condo. He can't, I mean, he has armed guards outside of his condo. He literally cannot leave. Like, he can't, I mean, he doesn't even have a yard to go to, which, you know, at least in North America, most of us have that where you can kind of get out if you're not, you're not like in, you know, the city or whatnot, right? But, I mean, most of us can get like at least go spread our legs a little bit and get out and do a little bit, right? Or go get around, whatever it is. That's There's mental fatigue. I mean, it's hard. Sometimes you just need to tell them, get out of here. Go. Just take the day off. Don't do anything. It, it's okay. Now, we haven't succumbed to day drinking yet. That may be phase two of this. But for now, it's, you know, those are the things I think about. Communicate often, leverage collaboration, and show some personality and leadership, um, and and uh, and let them see you showing that personality. And then guess what? The other piece I would say, kind of that drives us, is don't be afraid to take a day off as a leader. Like it's okay to take a day off, because guess what? If you want your people to be productive, then your butt needs to go be productive. And sometimes that means you just need to go. And fishing pole and go fishing someday, or you just need to go read a book, or you just need to go love on your kids. That's okay right now. It's totally fine because guess what? Everybody is working their freaking tails off right now. So take a chill pill and just you know uh, it's going to be okay. And and hopefully this season will temper a little bit and we can get back to a new normal at some point in time. But. We're in a marathon. Like we've got a ways to go here, folks, and uh, that's and so having that balance, I think, is key. Those are those are really good. Uh, I think you know, important anytime, but especially now, just kind of compounds. But uh, that's that's tremendous. Um, wanted to ask you a little bit about your career path because um, I get this question a lot. You know, you spent some of your early time uh, working for colleges and, and uh, a baseball club, and you know, kind of in the sports team side of thing we'll call it and then you made a change to the vendor partner side similar to what i did a couple of yep. years ago um talk about what you think the well first what kind of drove that decision what are the differences for people i have a lot of people ask me they're thinking about something like that and you know what should they be considering what are the what can the sports industry bring to your life after you know on the vendor side um and vice versa yep yep so i have a couple of things uh, that I, I always kind of point to in my career. So the first is, like, I went to my first Final Four guys when I was 10 years old. Old Reunion Arena in Dallas, like, you know, Louisville, Marvin Rivers, Purvis Ellison, like, you know, Mike Krzyzewski, LSU, whatever. So, I mean, like, that is still a really vivid memory for me in my life that 
as I mean, I, I look at it like a compel, it's like a compelling event for my life at 10 years old, which is like silly because I have a 10 year old now and I'm thinking what compelling events going on in her life, but like things can happen in your life. Right. And so for me, I knew at an early age that sports was going to be part of my life. And I, I knew it. I went to college as an athlete. I knew I wanted to work in sports. So my internships were geared towards sports and radio and things of that nature. I was just kind of always into that kind of side of business. And so, yeah, I got my first opportunity as a senior in college, got an opportunity to work um, for the Texas Rangers minor league affiliate at the time here in Oklahoma city. And uh, that probably is not the coolest thing in the world, but at the time this city didn't have the thunder and we didn't have a, we had a, like a, 70 year old stadium um, it may not be quite 70 at least 65 Kevin uh, but uh, nonetheless and so like that was that that year we opened up that venue and so there's just a lot I mean like it was rock star like it was literally like the biggest thing in town so I kind of got hooked right out of college like oh okay well it's always supposed to be like this I didn't go to like minor league baseball with like 2,000 people like when I started minor league baseball there was 13 15,000 people every game and it was a big deal like it was like oh man you can get us tickets you know it was one of those deals so I got hooked pretty early in the sports space by kind of the pomp and circumstances of sports and we've probably all been there right um I'm still jealous that I never went to a big east uh tournament game. I'll just tell you that Mark, but nonetheless, um, but, but uh, so yeah, I did seven years work for two different colleges as a director of recruiting director of football operations. And I uh, did a stint obviously in minor league baseball and all that was good. I just, I made no money, but it was great. It was a heck of a lot of fun. I had, a, had awesome apparel and swag. And um, I really have uh, jealousy over the shoes that I don't get anymore. Um, but it was hard to pay the rent. I mean, I should be honest, it was tough, you know, and, and I think we all know people that they're grinding, they're working, in, you know, 80 hours a week, and they got really cool swag and cool business card, but it's really tough to kind of make a living. And so we, um, you know, be, between years one and two, when I was at TCU, I got uh, uh, got married, and, and then uh, we ended up quickly getting pregnant about six months after being married, and so it was okay, you know, now I've been married a year and I got to figure out how to, you know, it's one thing for my wife and I to eat ramen noodles and tortilla and orange juice, but like that isn't quite cutting it for the baby here. So we need to kind of figure out how we're going to go do this. So I was just like, you know, can I figure out a way to combine my passions? And I was interested, although I am not a technologist, I mean, I think both of you know this, but I'm not like a pure say technologist guy at heart. But I was intrigued by technology, and I understood the application for it. And I also thought it was a way for me to kind of stay relatively young in that, you know, I've got an aptitude for this. Now, my wife would probably disagree, guys, because I can barely run the remote at home. And so she'd probably disagree with this. But I, I, I do believe that I have the ability to articulate technology and put that into things that make sense for kind of our current day-to-day life, but um, that gave me an opportunity to go to a, a tech company. I went to a company called Exos Digital and uh, ended up kind of just working up the chain and left as a VP and all that fun stuff. And so that was a great ride and got to introduce, you know, lots of cool things from 
you know, technology systems, probably about 100 venues that and facilities that I was part of, introduced things like instant replay into college sports, um, which had never happened. So I kind of feel like I'm part of a small group of people that are kind of like the, we're kind of like the, uh, the diocese of, of instant replay. Like I still feel like I'm part of a secret club that know like how it actually started. And it was literally bubble gum and bailing wire back in the day, maybe a little better, better now, but anyways. And, and so that, that transitioned me to come to Cisco and I came to help build their sports and entertainment kind of partnerships and technology partnerships and ecosystem. And so, you know, I look at my career kind of in two chapters, right? The team side, and then, you know, the tech side kind of supporting the industry. And then since I've come to Cisco, I've done sports and retail and hospitality and media and broadcast, all the kind of consumer industries and how we take those technologies into those markets and look at all the trends and behaviors. And then this latest one is also then an expansion of that with customer experience and how do we take our portfolio and take that to market. And that's very different. So that's been exciting to learn something new and then, you know, go from, in my career, I've gone from like an individual contributor to managing people and all that's been fun and different learning experiences. So it's been a, it's been a fun ride. Nobody's kicked me out yet, Mark, but it's been a fun ride so far, guys. So, um, you know, and then I get to meet fun, cool people like you guys that have awesome plants behind them. So I'm still, I'm still <laughs> jealous of your plants. I just got to tell you. His plants are a little better than our empty studio. Um, yeah. So, Probably, probably last last question. So you you work you know venue is, is a big deal for you, right? The, the the stadium customer experience, the world is flipped upside down. Obviously, there are no there are no experiences happening in stadiums, yep. Um, yep. and and none of us can re- can can you know read the future. But let's fast forward. Let's just say twelve months. What does the experience look like? Like what what are what are you think? Because because some like yes we know. Well, I shouldn't say we know. We believe sports will be back, right? When we golf starting here, what, in a month ish, month and a half mm-hmm. um, and golf's different, right? Yeah. Different, totally different experience. Um, th- you know, there could be fear of people gathering in, in a shared yeah. space like that. Um, yeah. what, what, where do you see, what, what's the impact? What do you see us living in a year? I think it comes down to like, if you're not thinking about safety and welfare as a owner uh, or leader of a team, like you need to be thinking about safety and welfare. Number one core tenet of your refocus right now should be on that and having a plan around kind of safety and welfare of not only your fans, but your employees. I mean, that has to be number one. So, You've got to be thinking about what are you going to do to implement, you know, ways to do that. So, you know, I think you're going to see, I mean, I think you've got, uh, I think you've got 12 to 24 months before this gets back to the way that it was pre-COVID. Now, that doesn't mean there's not going to be some things that happen intermittently, but I think that, you know, to get the global world back reset, you're talking 12 to 24 months. If you look at Germany, Germany just made the announcement they're going to limit crowds up to 5,000 before uh, uh, through all through the end of October, right? So that affected the Berlin Marathon and things of that nature, right? So just use that as a data point, right? That means concerts are limited. That means entertainment venues are limited. So I think that you're going to see a lot of a lot more exposure around cleaning. 
going to see a lot more exposure around masks. You already are. You're going to see that'll be prevalent at a lot of events moving forward, and that will become more of a societal. We'll just get like in North America, like I just remember it. It's not as common, but you go to, you know, the Asian markets and it's very common to see people wearing masks. I think that becomes much more household. I remember flying to Barcelona in January and this was right when, I mean, it was about two weeks into the COVID thing. And so we were monitoring it, but you know, we, I went anyways. Um, and, uh, that, that's the most masks I've ever seen on a plane. And I was thinking, whoa, like, this is crazy. Like, I just did, it's just foreign to guys that are in North America. Just, it's really foreign. But, like, it was it was very noticeable uh, even then. I can't imagine what it would be like if I, someone was actually flying today. I can't, I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine. So I think that you're going to see thermal imaging. You're going to see temperature type. You're, so there's a bunch of that technology that's out there. I think you're going to, they'll be implementing that. If we don't have, you know, rapid testing, you know, and so hopefully we have like federal government or whatever is implementing kind of federal test, you know, more testing that you know, can make it safe for people to go do. I think you're going to see te- teams are going to take some ownership of that too, or com- businesses, large businesses are going to take on the, the notion of PPE and testing. And so I think for the next six to 12 months, you're going to be in various hybrid stages of that. Um, but the pro guys will be able to lead that because they will be able to control that uh, a lot easier. It's much, diff- much more difficult for the colleges, I think, because um, you're thinking about student safety as a primal fundamental uh, tenet, uh, which they already think that way anyways. If we don't have classes on campus, you're not going to have sports on campus, guys. It's just it's going to have to work one hand in hand. So I think that this will be a uh, this will be a very lumpy is that a good word lumpy uh 12 months because i just think that it's gonna there's going to be some starts and stops i also think that there's going to be some things that get started and then stop and i don't know what that is but i think that something's going to start and then they're going to something's going to happen and they're going to have to ratchet it back and then another sport may be able to go full tilt and get going but i just think you're going to see a just a a potpourri of different things that happen and uh, it will be weird. It will be weird. You can yeah, quote me on that. Sometimes, for sure. Yeah, I don't think that's going that too far on a limb. I think you're uh, you're right on about that. Well, Brian, really thanks uh, for the time today. It's been a great great conversation. I know you got to run, but uh, anything else you want to add before we uh, we break? No, I you know I'm uh, appreciative of you guys uh, having me on and admire both of you guys. You know, know both of you and just think you guys are just doing a heck of a job. And so um, thanks for advocating for this industry and all you do around sports and leadership. So keep up the great work and thanks for having me. And I'm going to go buy some plants now. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, just the start of it. Believe it or not, the uh, the house is like a greenhouse these days. So <laughs> appreciate you noticing. Awesome. But uh, thanks again, Brian, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thanks, guys. Have you, bud. All right. Hopefully, that was a, a good conversation. Some valuable uh, stuff. I love talking uh, technology. Obviously, that's been a similar career path um, for me. So it's always interesting and, and and evolving, and definitely placing, becoming higher in the list of priorities for for leaders. And you know, I, I thought that was uh, that was some great some great takeaways. Uh, Kevin, what stood out from you uh, for you? from this uh, episode. Yeah, I think his his perspective 
again, on this idea of, of leading remotely. So we, we talked, a lot of the conversation in the last month has been working from home. Um, and, 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 you know, really people aren't working from home, they're at home and trying to figure out how to work. It's not just a working from home choice that people are, are making or transitioned into. Um, but for the conversation I've been having a lot with, with leaders and teams is actually, how do you lead from home? How do you lead remote teams? How do you lead from a distance? And that's what he's been doing for a long time. And so his perspective on how to do that well, and the beauty of it is it, we try to make things too difficult and it's, it's really pretty simple, right? It's just being intentional with, with how you communicate, how you treat people. Uh, and I love for him, the fun, make it fun. And yes, you're, you're doing things from a distance. So, you know, him talking about creating a scavenger hunt for the team. I know that can, that may seem ridiculous. I think it's great uh, because that's part of their culture. It's like, Hey, we're, we're going to work. We're going to get things done. We're going to operate at a really high level, but we're going to have a blast doing it. And, and at, at the end of the day, like we're all big kids. And so let's, let's stir up some fun. Let's have some joy. And it always takes me back to, to your, your question in the midst of this season is what's the alternative right? Um, to be stressed, to be angry, to, to just always work. Um, but I loved his perspective on, and let your personality come out and, and have some fun. Um, that's the only way we get through things is, is to have a little bit of fun along the way. What, what, what stood out to you? Yeah, that, that really too. I mean, the example of somebody who, you know, literally can't leave an 800 square foot apartment in, in I think it was Spain, you know, and the communication, right? That's another thing we talk about all the time, but how cool is it that that company with 70,000 people is able to, you know, communicate in some way to every one of them every week, you know, if they can do that, you know, where's, where's our excuse. I that really kind of stuck out uh, to me of everything being intentional, everything being organized and it, it all coming down again to, to personality. We, we have enough things to worry about. We don't need to be adding to the stress, you know, that again, it does seem goofy and it, maybe that doesn't work for everybody. Maybe that's not the personality that they would bring to it, but, I think he said something about asking about lives, not just getting on the call and being, you know, where are we with this project? Where are we with that project? Okay, let's go. Um, you know, just taking a few minutes to, to understand what people are doing and, and how they're they're reacting to this thing and how they're getting through it and, you know, checking on their family. I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah, and it's, it's to that point and, and kind of including the, the guy in Spain in an 800 foot apartment, everyone is in a different situation. Right, we're all in the same situation, but we're all in a different version of that situation. And so, some people are are at home alone. Some people are are at home, and their spouse is is working as well. Some people may have a spouse that's actually still having to go to work. Um, some people may be home having to work and deal with kids. Some people are just sitting in an 800 square foot apartment alone, and they can't leave leave the front door. And so, we it's easy for us to get stuck in our bubble because my bubble is not that bad. Right, like I'm in Oklahoma City. Brian and I are in the same place. We can go out. We can go for runs. Um, I can go play catch with my kids. We can get walk the dog. We can do a lot of things. There's a lot we can't do, but there's a lot that we still can do. We're, but you have some people that you may be leading that can't get out of their house, can't get out of their apartment, or, or if they if they can, they're still just such a unique situation. So we've got to understand everybody that on our team and what their situation is. Otherwise, we can't lead them well through this time. Right? We can't we can't put a blanket statement over everyone and just say everyone's working from home because that's that's that doesn't take into account the, the actual experience people are having and so to take the time hey man how are you doing what's your situation what do you need okay well that's totally different than what she's experiencing okay well they need different things and so that level of intentionality which really just comes from caring about about your people um, and that's one thing that i got he didn't say this specifically but you can just tell by the way he he shows up and the way he he interacts with people he just cares he cares about the experience people are having, and he wants to make sure that everyone's okay um, and, that, and that they know that he's for them. 
yeah, after the microphones went off, you know, he was asking us about you know, how families are doing, how work's going, and things like that. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just a, a front. So I think, I think a lot of these things that come out in this kind of situation, or it just amplifies what's needed. It's still the same leadership principles. It's still the same things that make you a successful leader in the office. Um, but they just become even more important when you're, you know, a little bit more spread out and the tools are going to be different. What it looks like is going to be different, but the fundamentals really aren't different. So anyway, great, great discussion. Uh, really, really great to have a, have a guest on the show and, and talk about some things and, and uh, hear a different perspective. Obviously, kind of geek out about the technology a little bit as well. Uh, very cool. So thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find Kevin and I both uh, on Twitter quite a bit these days, at Kevin DeShazo and at Mark underscore Hodgkin. Love to hear your thoughts on the show, on what's going on, on what we should talk about next, on who we should interview next. Um, and if anybody just wants to connect and, and talk, and I think it's a great time to, to expand some connections. And I've been doing that too with some people who I had known on social or, or just met, you know, use the time we have, uh, a little extra time at least to, uh, to build those relationships and talk to people that you wouldn't normally. So have a good uh, rest of the week. Have a good uh, rest of our time working from home and every, more, most importantly, Everybody stay safe and healthy, and we'll talk to you next time.